0: Well, the unbeaten run is over. The podcast is still here. And the All's America, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paterastro, And usually have a long, some would say long winded introduction to what I'm drinking. Uh, not gonna happen tonight. I want this to be over with as quickly as possible. I was gonna make an old fashioned, I didn't have enough whiskey. I put a whiskey I had into a collective art stranger than fiction porter, and it's kind of like got like, like a fake barrel age taste going for it. And we'll just go from there joining us on this hopefully quick journey through the previous and upcoming week of Sheffield Wednesday football in New England. It's our New England Al Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking?
1: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Not to give it away. I'm drinking uh, Tilted Barn Brewery's Raise the Barn. It's a four point eight percent barn lager. it's not bad. Uh, the friend of mine that usually gives me beers I don't like gave this to me, and it was pretty good.
0: I always love to hear your, your passive-aggressive comments on free <laughs> beer you get. Oh, not complaining. Not complaining. It's mm-hmm. free. And as Justin lets slip, also joining us this week, Cascadia Casqueiria, Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Hello.
2: Are we are we gonna just not acknowledge what Justin is doing with the special effects on whatever? No one's going to see using? it. It's He's... a podcast. It's an audio know, experience. It's really, it's gonna keep a smile on my face. Hi. How are you? I'm drinking uh, the Marionberry cider from the Incline Cider Company, and it's very good. It's one of my favorites, and uh, it's a staple around here. So yeah, I'm happy about that. Mm.
0: On this episode of the Owls of America, to review the Gillingham and the Plymouth games. Although not really review the Plymouth game because none of us were able to watch it because it was not on. I follow ESPN Plus. We covered the news, and there is yet again another two-match preview week, which means unfortunately we'll have to watch two more Sheffield Wednesday matches. But let's get to the one we did watch—a 1-1 draw with Gillingham—and your thumbs up. Justin is it's not hopeless.
1: Well, so I mentioned this because I got a mix of a ration of shit online as well as a lot of support for my statement after the game, which was, Hey guys, that game sucked. You know, I mean, we, we dominated that team. You want to look at the, the stats for that game. Uh, possession was, uh, 67% to 33%. Uh, Passing success was 76% to 47%. Shots on goal or total shots was 22 to five. Like we dominated that team. Uh, We came away with a loss or with a draw rather, uh, thanks to their early goal and our poor defending and, you know, the game of football, uh, that's what happened. And and I guess my thought afterwards was as annoying as that was, um, you know, we're, we're within a whisker of, the playoffs we haven't played well this year i mean i don't think we put 90 minutes together uh we have everybody injured uh we can barely feel the back line and yet somehow we were unbeaten in over six weeks and you know i kind of put that out on social media and got a lot of support and a lot of blowback which you know i guess isn't Shocking to hear, but, you know, really, I I maintain that even with the uh, FA Cup battering we took, Um, you know, things have not been good. And yet there's still quite a bit of time and not that much ground to make up.
0: I think just that, yeah, you don't want to be a happy clapper, but for me, I'm not particularly convinced it's going to be a lot of this, right? they're going to be in eighth place for the foreseeable future or whatever. I just think really don't seem to be putting it together at this point. And I know a lot of that is to do with the makeshift back line and, and changes in midfield and just uh, whoever is starting up front in any given week, not being as clinical on the finish as They should be And that, you know, you add all those things together and it's a bit, that sounds like a mid table team. And I don't know if there's a ton of evidence. They're better than that. Um, there is time but they're coming up on the crowded holiday fixture schedule and does not sound like Iorfa or Gibson are going to be back before the new year. So we're going to see a lot more of Callum Patterson at center back perhaps like we saw against Plymouth uh, or, didn't yesterday, see. So, <laughs> or didn't see, as, as was announced on social media. Uh, my thumbs up is simply didn't give them the satisfaction. I would have much preferred they get three uh. points but I am pleased that they did not get uh, get a win for the time-wasting and just the blatant, utter... I mean, the, the funny thing is it started... It hadn't even scored the goal yet. But once they scored the goal, I'm like, oh, the next, the next 70 minutes are going to suck. And it did. And the ref <laughs> really didn't seem interested in much of anything, but especially of punishing them that. And like, look, part of the game, right? You, you go up on the road in that kind of situation... Sort of, you're you're entitled to do a certain amount of time wasting, right? We've certainly seen Wednesday do it uh, as well uh, in, in appropriate situations. And that's that's, but there's there's time wasting, and then there's just whatever Chillingham was doing. They did not look interested in in going forward at all after that. And you know, Wednesday were clearly the better team before the goal. Uh, after the goal, they were kind of a mess, which we'll get to in my thumbs down. And they were clearly a better team in the second half, although there are certainly some things to to nitpick there, too. All in all, can't call it a good result. It was a 1-1 draw at home against Gillingham, but at least we did not give them the satisfaction. No, Mike, what's your thumbs up?
2: Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, my thumbs up uh, is not uh, too different from Justin's. I mean, 22 shots on target, and there's still, I think... The fact that a lot of us in the final few minutes were still pulling for Wednesday. I hate to say pull it out against Chillingham because we should have clobbered him. But the fact that there were still people there thinking we're going to win this and we're going to we're going to nick it. And it's going to feel good. Um, I, this again, you hate to say this is one of their better performances of the year, but I still uh, I think I'm, I might I might be the happy clapper who says that we're, we're a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, I hope that's true. But who knows? We could be. I think we've been saying that for and the run. entire
0: six-week unbeaten run. But
2: well, that's exactly it. Is how 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 much more of this can we take? And and if we come back, you know, if we have this Luongo, Iorfa, Wendes, um, you know, pick your pick your partner up front. Um, you know, if those four are healthy and can play for ten games in a row together, what do we have?
0: Yeah, you know, it's just sort of like keep it close until you get the squad to full health. But again, this is Sheffield Wednesday. When is the squad ever actually at full health? By then, uh, you know, Corbinou, Fizz, and Gregory will be hurt or something like that,
2: or sold. But yes, but no, we, we we're, we're, we're not that smart either.
0: So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's
1: Jeff. I, I to to comment on your point, um, it is really nice to not let Steve Evans get the satisfaction of of that and you know it is funny there was a lot of back and forth online between uh jill's supporters and uh wednesday supporters were understandably wednesday fans were pretty annoyed at some of the tactics and you know i mean fuck we all know steve evans and nobody likes him like it's it's pretty so easy what to get was annoyed it, what was your
2: more. what was your favorite at least favorite of the tactics say again I, I always like the i, was asking, I what, liked what was the highlight of your tactics
0: <laughs> i enjoyed the lying down there's a lot of lying down
2: there was a, a spot early in the first half where the ball went out of bounds and darren moore picked it up and was just standing there for at least 20 seconds waiting for a, someone to come and take it from him.
1: yeah i mean and you know jeff you raised the point too like Everybody does it to some degree. Like, one of my all-time favorite Wednesday games ever and will forever be was the nil-nil at the lane where, uh, you know, Pudillo was playing uh, center back and yeah, yeah. had the man of the match performance. And we had nothing. We just defended for 90 minutes. And we did mm-hmm. all the time-wasting shithousery we could from literally yeah. the first minute of the game. Like, I get that that's... It's appropriate sometimes. And shit, I even think it's funny. I mean, I, I feel like one of my thumbs up earlier this year was praising uh, our opponent's shithousery because I do think it's good. But the problem is it's fucking Steve Evans and he does it all the time. And, and at a Tactical certain Technical genius, point, Steve Evans. Oh God, I know. Uh, just just brutal, just brutal. Uh, and at a certain point, it's, it's just dumb. Like have another trick in your bag. If you need to pull that out once in a while, like, I get it. They, sometimes it's needed. They're applicable situations. But when that's what your team has every single game, or at least most also, of the Wednesday games. They were
0: absolutely there for the taking for a second goal in the first half.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you want to get into that? Because so that my, was your, your thumbs my down. My thumbs
0: down is, after they started time-wasting, like, Wednesday just completely lost their head. They lost any sense of organization. They were trying to... Uh, forced passes they didn't have the you know sort of the possession and and pretty football they were playing for the first 20 minutes and there's just a lot of like a lot of running around and jillingham weren't able to take advantage of it but it really took a second half reset before they kind of figured out that oh yeah it's still jillingham and they're going to do this but you have to be patient you have seven they, they, you can't it's very difficult to do that for 70 minutes uh, without offering something on the counter or you know putting a putting some thought in the back of their mind, but it's just, and then they wasted 20 minutes of it, essentially just not sort of pulling it together. And again, I don't want to single out Barry Bannon, but you know, he's gotta be sort of the, the focal point of that when that's happening, right? He's gotta win the ball, get the ball, pick the pass, you know, even he has to do his little moves that don't go anywhere, just to keep possession for a little bit and try to create space or find an outlet. And it just never happened. And like obviously Gillingham didn't offer much going forward, but, you know, if you looked at Wednesday's vulnerability on set pieces, because that's about as basic a set piece, as you'll see for the first goal, that, you know, they really, yeah, just not a good game of football, basically, is what it comes down to. No, I mean,
1: I, I thought. I mean, I mean, think you bring up, you know, and, and let's even, let's be fair to Baz in this situation and say not
0: him. I thought he had a good, especially
1: in the second half, I thought he was very good. Yeah. But 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 I think you touched on a much bigger point, which is our on-field leadership. And and you can't put it all on him just because he wears the armband. Like, there's 11 guys in the field that people have to be able to handle it. But we do not handle uh, adversity well, and we have not for a while. And it doesn't matter, you know, it kind of doesn't matter who's on the pitch or who we're playing. And I think that is sort of a leadership issue but again without without trying to pick on you know baz too much about that it's we we do that enough but but you're right we we and, and the whole it was i was so pissed off because i spent honestly i spent way too much time last week trying to find information on jillingham and, and and what their tactics were <laughs> and how their team set up and like i guess i should have reached out to some people online and maybe i didn't go about it the right way but like I did a lot of searching online and I found nothing, which is why I believe my quote last week was this is a stupid, dumb, dumb, stupid team. Um, And I don't mean that, Jillian fans. I just was frustrated at, at the lack of information on what your team does online. But the one fucking thing I found out was they got a guy up front who scores all their goals. And that's the guy who scored their fucking goal. So if, unwise, I, yeah. if I, if I found that piece. out, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if I found that that's right. I right. mentioned that they're a set piece team last week, like right. if I found that out, some American knows nothing about soccer donkey 3000 miles away, how Sheffield Wednesday wasn't prepared for that. And if you watch that goal back, I mean,
0: I did love everyone calling for offside. Like we could, oh. how, how else would he be that open? Like, well, if you watch our marking on set pieces, that's probably a more yeah. likely explanation than being offside. Uh, I don't want to throw Marvin Johnson under the bus but that was
1: his guy um, sure brutally I don't want so because I, I think he's he's been fine and maybe even better than fine filling in in a difficult situation but better than that's James what happened there. That's what happens when a winger is playing center back and marking a center forward on a, a free kick. it's just it's disappointing um, to to come away from that game with only one
0: point obviously we didn't watch it uh i didn't even listen to it i decided to do other things and i mean if the game had been on espn plus i probably would have put it on and watched it because i'm a sicko but i just it did not i was doing other stuff i just I'll, I'll just listen to music it's fine while i'm writing i don't need uh i don't need the the dulcet tones of i guess it would have been uh football heaven in my bbc radio sheffield in my in my ears while i'm uh writing prospect lists but... well they had
1: uh, they had one of each i i believe that yeah. the play by oh, yeah.
2: pearson, and, uh... and
1: pearson was uh, yeah. matched up with them and, and i, I thought fair, fair play to the the plymouth commenter i thought he was he was very um fair and uh sort of even-handed in his thing but yeah i shut it off at what was it 38 minutes or yeah. 42 minutes when i hear uh Bannon with a costly turnover 20 yards out and Liam Palmer gets walked for a ball off the post to go down to nothing uh, following the first goal, which was us pressing, pressing, pressing and a counter the other way. Like that's not our game. That shit is over. That's, that's a, you know, we, we know what was happening. So I, I'm glad I didn't waste my time with uh, the, the final 50 minutes of that.
2: Yeah. I watched yeah. the highlights yeah. this afternoon and they look like these. First of all, they look like the first real goals that we've had scored against us in a long time. Not these things that could, you know, bounce off someone's butt and go in. So there were finally real goals. And I just, you know, I have this inevitability feeling in my head that our season ends in the playoffs against Plymouth.
1: So. No,
2: Plymouth's going straight up, man. That team is, <laughs>
1: that, that team is so, you know, this is one of those things that I had, uh, you know, discussions, arguing with people online when I was trying to present a bit of a positive face was the idea of, like, we're getting smoked by Plymouth Argyle. Like, that's that shows how shitty we are. And to a certain degree, like, fair enough, right? Like, we were playing in Wembley with a chance to go to the Premier League five years ago, and now we're absolutely outclassed by Plymouth Argyle. And I think anybody that has seen the two games we played in Plymouth or heard one and seen one knows that they are clearly a better team than us. Um, and I'm not even going to mention me advocating for Ryan Lowe 15 months ago on this very podcast, but uh, you know, it's also, you got to just get over that shit. Like Plymouth is a good team. Like they are dangerous. They're aggressive. Uh, they have a plan. Uh, they get right after Like, that's a good football team. They, I, I really think that team's going up. That, that's the best team I've seen this year. And, and frankly, I don't even think it's very close.
0: I do want to make one other point. Actually, I want to point out the Gillingham game. and it didn't have time. But I can actually make it in the news section because it'll come up in the news section. So instead, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll do the Wednesday news and round things out with previews of Arian Stanley and MK Dons. The beat goes on. And now it's time for some Wednesday news And there's some good cup news To balance out the bad cup news Is the under-18s Advanced once again in the FA Cup With a 2-1 win over Islestone Park I really wish that James was here so I can get some more information about Islestone, but I've discovered it is in Leicester and they are in the United Counties league.
1: Jesus. Are we in the, like,
0: I mean, it's the FA cup. What, so I mean, yeah, I what, I what
1: round in. of, what round? Of the FA cup? I don't like, know. The negative third. Like what, what the fuck? I'm all,
0: I'm also curious now because when I looked up, uh, Milestone. I I saw their recent results. One of their recent results is against uh, Wednesfield Football Club, or Wednesfield. It be Wednesday. It's Wednesfield. It's, it's spelled like Wednesday. Ah, Wednes.
2: So Wednesday.
0: yeah, Wednesfield. So there's a Wednesfield and a Wednesday. Uh, they were formed in 1961 as Wednesfield Social FC. Uh, they're currently in the Midlands League. They're not actually in. They're in Wensfield, obviously, which I'm reliably informed by Wikipedia is in the West Midlands.
1: Which Um, is not Yorkshire.
0: Um again, James is not here, so
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is this is the the bonus for everyone to to having an all American cast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh,
0: (laughs) They have gotten to the third round of the FA vase twice in their history. The ground. There's a yeah. there's a picture of their home ground, which I'm going to put into the chat for people. So they can see it. You know, have somehow there we go. So this is this is the Wensfield home ground. Wednesday. I'll just say it. It's wensfield like Wednesday.
2: Yeah.
0: That, my friends, is a park. That is, that
2: is not... That is oh, just nice. a
0: soft park. Hey, those are walls. <laughs> yeah. That's a stand.
2: <laughs> so, what's the over-under on capacity there? A uh, hundred? I mean, oh, it's an all-standard, man. mostly.
0: It's like a hundred seats.
2: It's an all-standard. There you go.
0: <laughs> so, Wensfield. It's, that's the... Uh, uh, lost to Eilstein Park 4-0, by the way. So. I assume that was in the under. Maybe I don't know what that would, what that even would have been in. I'm. i got gonna investigate this further. I was trying to keep like a pace here. It was the first round of the FA Base Trophy. Mm. And also in Park defeated Wemsfield. There's no recent news for either on Google. So there is more recent news for Wednesday, though. Uh, Josh Dewadu extends his Daily Bridge loan. I' uh, had been there on a one-month loan. I think he just extended it for another month. I will point out that he's an actual center back, of which Wednesday <laughs> do not have many right now. So, I guess that's a choice you can make.
1: Man, it's brutal. Like yeah, he, you know. he can come up and coach too. Hmm. Yeah, we we gotta get we gotta get somebody back there.
0: Well, Wednesday's actual one center back, and their center back three, Shea Dunkley, made the. League One Team of the Week, along with Theo Corbino. Um, and I, I did want to make a point here. I thought Corbino had a really, really good game. But it was kind of like... I don't watch a lot of basketball. But my impression was like... It was like the volume shooter problem.
1: Is this Jellingham you're referring to?
0: Yeah. Like, they just kept yeah. feeding him the ball over and over again. And, like, his efficiency wasn't good. But he was the only one that could do anything. Really? So... they literally could not stop him even though they had like three people like marking the area near him he was able to at least one out of three times put an actual ball in or force the keeper into a save or or something i thought he had a very good game but i just think they needed to find another way through and also to maybe like release some of the pressure on him to give him better opportunities to to cross or cut inside and shoot when he did so and it just Became very clear the it was gonna go however it was gonna go with uh whatever Corbineau was able to conjure up. And to be fair, he almost conjured them up a winner, so
1: I almost had a couple. You know, I, I think we were gonna mention this in thumbs up thumbs down. Maybe the news isn't exactly the place to do it, but I did tell you I was gonna destroy your uh plans for a, a well prepared, organized podcast. Mm. Um I, I think the nice thing I was going to give a thumbs up is that I, the thumbs down side of it is I don't think that Darren Moore, despite the injuries, which are certainly an understandable challenge. I don't think that Darren Moore is putting together the right lineups, given the fact that I feel like we're starting to see players emerge. Like Cam mm. Barry needs to play. He needs to start. He yeah, needs to write yeah. his name on the team sheet. And allow him to get up front and hold up the ball, and and allow the wingers and whoever else is up front with him to actually do need
0: to if if they're going to do that they do need to push him forward and isolate him more because he cannot pick a pass if he's got uh, if he's facing play if he's got like if he's trying to do anything other than. He, would be, his back to he would
1: be perfect if Darren Moore had stuck with his preferred 4-3-3 slash 4-2-3-1 yeah. formation that he's done everywhere that he changed, uh, which, you know, I don't even want to speculate. I'm guessing to try to fit in our plethora of central midfielders and wingers, but it's it, it doesn't I don't like the formation. I, I don't think it suits all our players, you know.
0: I think the problem is he wants to. So because he only has one healthy center back, if you're playing a center back two, it puts a lot on Dunkley. Um, at least in a center back three, you can theoretically distribute the responsibilities more. But that's I, I don't know if that. Just, uh, I, I think mean, it's Dun- them keeping Dunkley to, Dun- dunk- dunkly dunkly more to do. cover for two wingers. Yeah, Dun- I think you Dun- could play Dunkley Palmer in a
1: back four. Yeah. That's like that's so so again. No, I'm totally side. So the problem
0: is then to... you're stuck. Like who's you don't you can play Johnson or. Brown, I guess, is more traditional fullback Left there. Back. Along with Hunt, yeah. But yeah.
1: That's correct. Um, I, I just wish that you know, and we're gonna talk about it in one of the previews, um, about a team that has a belief in and certain core values and in, in what it does. And and to be honest, I thought this is one of the things we were getting from Moore was his, you know, core belief in his Four three three 3 3 played out from the back um and i guess he's flipped that to a 3 five, 2 played out from the back maybe that's because of injuries i actually kind of think it's because we have too many wingers and because he wants to find a good role for baz but you know i just uh, it, it just feels like when, when you start doing things and you don't have the full weight of your you know commitment behind it it, it doesn't end up it doesn't end up working. Then, then
2: you can't ex- you can't expect to change lineups enough. If people know what they're supposed to be doing. It's yeah. as as seen by the uh, well performance of these But yes, yeah,
1: no, no. I think that's I think that's a large part. And again, we're seeing like I think Fizz has been good for the last six weeks. I think Cam Berry has been good for the last six weeks. I think every time Silasau is put in a position to yeah. succeed he looks good like you can name off these players and we've got these guys who are seem to me in any case ignorant american that i am 3000 miles away uh they are demonstrating that they should be penciled into the lineup in certain positions every game and it just doesn't happen and that's that's frustrating
0: Now to the important news of the week. Uh Wednesday have drawn their opponent in the knockout phase of the Papa Johns. No apostrophe trophy. It's gonna be Hartlepool. Long time no see. Yeah, this is a like this is a winnable, winnable game.
1: Oh Jesus, it should be. At home. They're tenth in two league two, two
0: right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, still spooked from uh, 16 years ago, I would hope.
0: Mm. Also still in the FA Cup since they did did beat Wickham.
1: Did they? Yeah. I didn't see the interest because Wickham's been... I mean, I think they've had a a slight downturn in form, but they've been been very good this year. I I wonder if they put out a not full-strength lineup for the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, it
0: was a replay after a 2-2 draw at at, at Hartlepool, so they went to Wickham and beat them. It's impressive stuff.
1: They'll be feeling. Uh, they'll be feeling confident. Uh, hey, if I was playing Wednesday, I'd be feeling confident. Hey.
0: Also, one of the all-time great uh, nicknames. The, the pools. Uh, the monkey hangers. The what? No.
2: Spell that.
0: monkey hanger. All right.
2: This
0: is where, so just I mean, have- according to Wikipedia. Can, yes, according to local That's folklore, okay. the term originates from an incident in which a monkey was hanged at the town of Hartlepool, England, during the Napoleonic Wars.
1: Jesus. Wait,
0: um, the Napoleonic Wars
1: for a long time. Yes, sure. <laughs> yes, Mike, many questions.
2: <laughs> uh, who's Monkey? I don't, it's, it's very unclear. <laughs> okay. Can we just go okay. back to the apostrophe conversation? Sure. Yeah, explain that. You
1: seem to be a grammar nerd.
2: I'm not the grammar nerd. I just love that Papa John's is removing the um, apostrophe from their name because that somehow dissociates them from john
1: but it means multiple johns
2: i see and then when you say johns you immediately start going somewhere else
1: that's what i'm saying we're not talking about something john owns we're talking about all these johns all these papa johns wandering
2: around
0: why don't they just just go with papa's john like attorneys
2: Of favorite, uh, out, I out, out west we have carl's jr and one of my favorite memoirs is don't get me started on carl's jr
1: but yes <laughs> uh whatever i just think they should call it the pizza cup
0: we'll go from well, there. Yeah. it's that's a, what it's a, a, it is called it's a pizza cup here we do not have a pizza <laughs> cup preview because that's still a couple weeks away but we do have two game previews we'll start with accrington take it away justin
1: all right, let's do this. Uh I'll try to keep these as, as short and sweet as uh some of the others. So, Accrington was originally formed as Accrington, nicknamed the Ode Reds, or the Ode Reds. I assume that's some form of old. Formed in 1891, uh, they became Accrington Stanley because there's a team called Stanley Villa that played on Stanley Street in Accrington. Uh, they sort of merged. Um, they joined the football league in 1921 and they were were there until 1966 until they went bankrupt and got liquidated. Now, Accrington Stanley, uh, reformed in 1968. And to be terribly honest, and this is not intending to be insulting the number one thing that Accrington Stanley is known for in England is an ad campaign, uh, Uh, 1989 ad featuring Ian Rush of Liverpool fame. Uh, uh, I believe I... Shit, my notes are terrible now. I thought I'd written it (laughs) down. I believe it was a milk ad and it was two kids drinking milk and one Mm -hmm. of them said, if you drink milk, you can grow up to play for Liverpool like Ian Rush. If you don't, you'll play for Accrington Stanley. And the whole line was, Accrington Stanley, who are they? Uh, Much akin to for our American listeners, I'm imagining that's a where's the beef scenario, Mm -hmm. Uh, something along those lines. Uh, So that's all that Accrington Stanley seems to be known for. Uh, In 2006, they made it to the EFL, uh, where they hung around in League Two for 12 years, became the League Two champions. Um, They play at a, a spot called the Crown Ground. Uh, it's supposed to hold fifty four hundred, thirty one hundred 3,100 seated. Uh, I was struggling to find information on them.
0: Well, Justin, I, I have found some information on it. Uh, the ground is currently known as the Wham Stadium. So, It's part of a three-year, 200,000-pound sponsorship deal with What More UK Limited. So, Jeff, I've
1: had a really difficult week, and mm. I saw that, and I was like, I can't dig further into what wham and that company is and i decided to just let it be but i'm glad That's that fine. you've i mean
0: you've i'm not gonna to i'm it. not gonna dig any deeper it's just no i'm gonna assume should. it's uh you know the band basically they're just fans of <laughs> it really should be just picture uh george
1: yeah. michael's bomb.
0: george michael and so, the other guy yeah
1: yeah i i don't know the other guy
0: mm-hmm. um I, I will say, Andrew this something, was, I think.
1: Andrew Wrigley. Rick, yeah. Rich, you know, yeah. Look at you guys with the music knowledge. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so when I was looking for information on them, the only thing that I could find was a fan forum in which the only post uh, or thread relating to uh, the Wednesday game was the attendance and the fact that we have sold a 2,600 <laughs> ticket allocation. So we literally have half of the ground and all of their fans said well we're not going to be able to match that so this is this is going to be a glorified home game and it is going to be i imagine it's going to be something else now there was some controversy about the plymouth game where a lot of fans bought tickets and didn't go points, uh points yeah just just to get the points but i don't see that scenario on a saturday i, I think we're going to be there it's a very short loud. drive yeah Yeah, we're gonna be raucous and and here's the beauty guys this team is in 14th six wins three draws seven losses minus nine goal difference uh once again i will mention this team is there for the taking um their manager is a guy named john coleman who i started to compile some of his quotes uh it wasn't doable. They just go search for John Coleman yeah. if you're interested. He says all sorts of interesting shit, and he's very open, honest, blunt, upfront. Um, really interesting guy to, to read some quotes from, so I'm sure he'll he'll have some things to say both before and after the game.
0: He tends Easy. to go with
1: the 3-5-2. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. I would say he's managed. He's 59. He's already managed for 25 years, and he is a proper lower league manager. Uh, it's the second... Spell with Accrington Stanley. He's also managed Ashton United, Rochdale, Southport, and Sligo Rovers.
1: Yeah, sounds like Sligo Rovers. Yeah, in Ireland.
0: He's won promotions right. from the Northern Premier League Division One, the Northern <laughs> Premier, it. the Conference Premier, and Love of course it. recently with Ackington Stanley in League Two. Love it. Yeah, this guy fits the bill.
1: The, the two descriptions that kept coming up for him were positive hmm. and jovial. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Um, but all I can really find out about his tactics is he really likes a 2, Although he's willing to make in-game adjustments, um, they take a lot of shots. They do like to possess the ball, um, and they're they're really good in the air. That was about all I could find about them. I I would suggest that the uh, couple players to keep an eye on. Uh, one is a guy named Harry Pell. He's a uh, central midfielder. Um, in that. Uh, midfield five, or you know, the midfield three, excluding the wingers. Um, he's got five goals, three assists. Matt Butcher uh, has four goals and one assist. You know, those guys are, you know, sort of making things happen in the middle. Um, a guy named Colby Bishop is their leading scorer up front, he's a forward with three goals and an assist is very good at aerial battles. Uh, thankfully, Shea Dunkley has been playing well. I mean, I would imagine that that's uh, Dunkley's matchup. And uh, they've got some cornerbacks that are good in the air and have scored some goals. So, But, you know, honestly, Akron Stanley, like, we're going to have a home field advantage crowd-wise. We're a better team than them. I don't care about our injuries. We should get three points from this game.
2: Another match again. uh, I I, want to go back to what if you guys remember a couple weeks ago when Kieran Westwood was in the uh, was was in the booth. He was talking about how hard it is to take a large, relatively large team like Sheffield Wednesday into these small places, and it's the biggest event of the year for them. I mean, I'm I'll, I'll be curious to watch this game again and see if this looks like something that. The other team is either that amped for it that they cancel us out, or is it something else? Well,
1: it's there like we when you when you're everybody's cup final, right,
2: Mike? Well, uh, yes. You
1: know, if you're, um, no, certainly so not. For, I,
2: my, my example of that: I'm a I'm a season ticket holder for the Portland Thorns, which is the women's professional team here, and we draw between fifteen and eighteen thousand people per game. And most professional women's clubs have never played before anything remotely like that they play for a couple thousand at their college championship game so for them it, every game is at providence park is the biggest game they ever play and they tend to play well against the thorns which is why the thorns don't have an exceptional record at home but it's a big deal so we'll see
0: another match ones wednesday probably should take three points to we head on to mk dons once again take it away justin
2: yes
1: yeah, so i disagree with you there jeff um uh, yeah, I think um, so. MK Dons is a very frustrating team to look at because I would hope that most of our American listeners have a, a basic understanding of MK Dons and their history. I'll try to be brief here. Uh, the town of Milton Keynes was formed in 1967, which sounds weird. And especially uh, I'm from Massachusetts in the East Coast. Like every town is 300 years old, 400 years old. Like that's, you know, kind of similar to England. Like it's just been around forever. And for them to suddenly form a town, uh, you know, 50 years ago, 54 years ago, it's a little strange. It's in Buckhamshire. uh, Buckhamshire, uh, It's about, you know, 45 minutes north of London. Um, So they had a town and they built this town up but they didn't have jack shit there. And so people with money there wanted something there. So I looked around at a bunch of local clubs and tried to kind of get them to come, but that doesn't happen in English football. Teams don't move. They might move from say Woolrich to where Arsenal is, or, you know, around a certain area move from, uh, you know, the olive grove to, you know, Hillsborough and move from Sheffield to Owlerton or, you know, wherever it is you're moving around, but there's no packing up and moving. And this is, you know, if not the first case, um, the most notable case. Uh, so coming out of their run from the 80s, Wimbledon, the crazy gang uh, was playing in Plow Lane, which was a legitimate non-league park at the time. Like they had no business being in the Premier League in that park. So they moved to a club share with uh, Crystal Palace. Things started to go south. Attendance was not good. And. They were bought out and the guy who bought them said, well, let's let's move, you know, and worked with people from Milton Keynes. And they moved the club uh, actually just over 20 years ago. Um, so going from becoming the Wimbledon Dons to the Milton Keynes Dons or, you know, more more commonly known as MK Dons. Um, this is a really tainted franchise in England. Um, everybody in England fucking hates them. Um because they represent that American style uh, franchise rather than a club, which belongs to the community, uh, but rather a franchise that belongs to a billionaire owner and, and moving along. But before I continue, do either you guys have any sort of thoughts on that or, or do you recall hearing about that or impressions of this move and this club?
2: Well, a couple for me first of all, I again, I grew up in Southern California and in my lifetime in college, I saw the Raiders come go, come back, go to Vegas, and whatnot right. so that, and that that's so for uh, for us a, a franchise and we we of course are for sports here, the whole idea of we have expansion rather, and so we we just add new teams, move teams, whatever it's not a big deal. nothing is sacred. I've actually been to Milton Keynes um it's, and as far as, it, you know, again, in Southern California, we have a place called Irvine, California, which was founded probably about the same time, but the idea that a company, the Irvine Corporation, had this master plan community that went from zero to 60 in the matter of a couple of years and built residences, built schools, built industries and whatnot. So it, it is weird. And, you know, I've, I've done... Again, I've been to Milton Keynes for um, some research projects at the Open University there, um, and it, it's weird to see this city kind of of, of the same ilk right there in the, in the middle of the UK. So,
1: I'm glad to hear your West Coast perspective, because, again, Jeff, being from New England as well, probably same thing just grew up around towns where you're like my, if, if you're, uh, my your hometown hometown the, my hometown is my hometown is the
0: oldest town in Connecticut it was founded in 1633 so
1: exactly yeah Falmouth 1638 you know <laughs> like it's you, you just don't have any concept of that idea but uh Jeff do you do you recall uh, like I don't know how much you were watching football then yeah I
0: remember like, hearing about it at the time and it being a being a a big deal and something that I didn't know what I would have been. Obviously I don't think podcasts were a thing at the time. But I remember like reading about it and it being, you know, something that because it was so unusual, you know, obviously I grew up just outside of Hartford. So the you There know, you Hartford go, the whalers left when I was, you know, 14ish or so to go to Carolina. And, you know, one of the formative sort of memories of my youth about sort of, yeah, this is what this is what sports are or at least are in the uh in the u.s to an extent
1: yeah well i think that's the point here right is that in england uh, apparently the fa uh said no uh to this and refused to allow the move uh but there was an independent panel was put up and the panel voted two to one to allow the move anyway uh whatever enough So, so that's the downside, right? Like fuck MK Don's like nobody should ever root for them and do this and that. Here's the problem. Milton Keynes Don's the current ownership leadership structure at the team is everything that we want for our club. They have a, uh, very intelligent, uh, they have short term, medium term, long term planning, um, they have a club ethos and philosophy in which they follow from the youth levels all the way up to the uh, main club. Um, they are all about possession and the possession stands out uh, their possession for the last, I believe three seasons is top six in Europe, their possession stats and, um, And more importantly to them than just possession is their progressive passing. So it's not just the idea of keeping the ball. It's the idea of keeping the ball and moving it forward. And everybody at the club is on the same page. And they believe firmly in doing this and being able to do it at a League One level. And they think that it helps their recruitment. If people actually are interested in exploring more the athletic has a uh, soccer tactics podcast. I believe they call it now. I think they call it the athletic soccer tactics podcast. Uh, But they had an interview with the uh, sort of, uh, I guess you call them the general manager. What what do you call them in uh, British soccer? Now that it's coming in Uh,
0: director of sport or sporting director. Sure.
1: Sporting director, whatever that role is. It's a fascinating interview with him. And he talked about the fact that, um, The club has had this ethos and this idea. We move the ball from the back. We move it, you know, position by position. Um, We play aggressive. We push the wing backs up. We move the balls uh, or the full backs up. We move the balls up quick. um, We attack. um, You know, we really play this progressive, aggressive brand of football. And it's almost not even about winning. It's about the fact that we are going to play this kind of football and we can do it. And they've been able to do it. Um, you know, and right through the managers, they had a manager named Russell Martin who helped instill a lot of this. Um, he left and they brought in a new manager, Liam Manning, um, and who he made some slight alterations, but overall was just able to continue what they have been doing under Russell Martin. Um, so we'll, we'll see them come out in a 3-4-3, which will look like a 3-4-1-2. So they've got uh, two forwards and an attacking central midfielder. They will, when they have possession, they will push their wing backs or their wide midfielders up very high to create width and stretch the field. And they will look to get them the balls. Um, often from that back line, they have a phenomenal uh, passing back three. Um, at least two of the three are very good at passing. Um, so, you know, that's part of what they want to do this year. They're attacking up the right side a lot. Um, thankfully we have staunch defending, uh, at left center back, I'm sure. Um, so we'll be able to handle that. Um, and they defensively, they mix it up. They like to press the ball when we're trying to break it out. But, uh, Once we get into their half, and especially into the final third, they drop into a back five in a very compact one and are difficult to break down. Um, So this current team is uh, in fifth place in the league. The eight wins, four losses, four draws, plus nine goal difference. They've got 31 goals on the season. Um, Their big player is actually a really fascinating guy named Scott Twine. He plays that attacking central midfielder role. Uh, They got him, he's been at Swindon uh, for the last three years, I believe. But he's really broken out the last two years. He's a 22-year-old. He was half at Swindon and half at Newport, which is in League Two, uh, a Welsh club. Uh, So this stat blew me away. But Scott Twine has the most goals since the start of last season. He has the most goals from outside of the box in Europe. Uh, Mike, care to guess who's second on that list is? Think of all the players in Europe who like to shoot
2: from outside. Current players shooting from outside the box. Um, and being really
1: good at scoring.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, what country? Oh, good. Uh, he's known as
1: the MK Messi because second is Leo Messi to him. So, uh... Uh, Scott Twine is electric. He's got eight goals and four assists this season. Um, for fuck's sake, if Barry Bannon is our mm. holding midfielder, we're going to get smoked. Uh, and that's not. You mean, even the, Sc- you mean on the Scottish Messi? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Mike. Thank you. Push him forward, right? Do not have him be that guy because Scott Twine can absolutely fill it up this is a kid who yeah it's this know, Massimo
0: Luango is gonna have to take a Massimo Luango. better be on a yellow card at some point in this game <laughs>
1: uh yeah no great call like that's I think that's what it's gonna take um the other uh big challenge for us is Troy Parrott who's only 19 which blows me away because we've been hearing about it for about three years now um uh, there's the Spurs Loney we saw him in Millwall um I think he was somewhere else, maybe in Norwich or something like that last year. And there's a lot of hype behind him. He never really lived up to it. This year he is. He's got three goals, three assists. it um, has been a dominant force for them. Uh, they have an attacking center midfielder, uh, Matt O'Reilly, who really, you know, as much as Twine seems to be the offensive force, O'Reilly seems to be the uh, engine and the fulcrum of a lot of their offense. Um, they've got a right back, uh, Peter Kioso, who's got four goals and two assists. There's that width and, uh, depth getting up the field and wide. Um, and, and that back three is darling Lewington and O'Hora, And all of them are really good at passing the ball. So, uh, you know, as, as much as I'm going to sit here and say, Hey, you know, we absolutely should take three points from Atkinson Stanley. I don't care if it's on the road. Uh, the way that MK Dons is playing right now and our injury situation and the matchup, I'm going to be very happy with one point uh, at the Abbey Stadium.
0: You will listen to episode 157 of the Owls Americas. Find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas.gmail.com at gmail.com and find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas, our podcast intro and bumpers. Right, fellow Wednesdays, for Reverend to the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right wherever you choose. Consume the Owls of America. So we ask you rate and review the shows. So Helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls. Mike, what went wrong with the uh, Portland Thorns playoff match this week?
2: Oh my lord, there was so much drama. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, honestly though, we lose two of our Olympians, Crystal Dunn and Lindsay Duran. We're both out and uh they just never got moving thank you for asking though i appreciate that
0: hmm. we didn't do a dispatches for american soccer well this week or really any other week um oh, i wow. think mostly because i haven't had good reason like the red bulls are just sad i can't troll patty about them at this point so.
1: <laughs> well and i appreciate the shout for the women's soccer at some point we've got to dig a, a little bit into uh the sheffield uh women sheffield wednesday women who you know had
0: a really successful year last year um I think Nancy a wrote a good piece somewhere. on them at the Athletic too a couple of years ago. Now at this point,
1: yeah, they were making some adjustments, but we we do want to appreciate you know women's football. Mike, I'm I'm glad that you're, you know, a season ticket holder and a supporter and in, in what that club is doing up in Portland and it's with a hot the community. Here, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see.
0: Justin's on Twitter at New England Al. Justin, uh, do you think you fulfilled your promise to get through those previews quickly? Um
1: great question, Jeff. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. <laughs>
0: well, Quick quicker I, I, quicker
1: than it could have been.
0: <laughs> I I like the unearned uh unearned confidence. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff astra and we will see you back here once again next week.